Hi, and welcome back to the Retail Reboot Podcast. Now, I'm really excited about the gentleman with me today, Alf Dunbar. He is creator of You Are the Difference and founder. And I'm just going to give you a couple of stats about Alf. I'm going to have to read these out because there's some amazing ones here. Um, 82,500 plus people have taken part in the You Are a Difference um, coaching program that he delivers Over 350 businesses and organizations have experienced the You Are the Difference coaching program. And he has spoken at over 4,000 speaking events with You Are the Difference. The amazing Bula Bus, um, Alf Dunbar, I'm so thrilled to have you on. I came across you back in 2017 and it was with the Kilkenny Group and I was a shop manager. And I used your amazing program with the team, the perfect partners, all of that amazing stuff. And I just found it was a really, really great program. So I've seen you obviously online and I love your content and I never really got, I I kind of, I think intermittently I asked you for a couple of videos and I was training the team, but I always wanted to sit down actually to chat with you about, I suppose, where it all kind of started and how you've developed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit about you then as well. I know you live part time in Ireland. We discussed before we went live, yeah. um, which is really interesting. And um, you're obviously from Scotland. Um, but yeah, tell me where it began. I'd be really interested. Well, thank you for that. Um, well, it began where I am now. It began uh, in Denmark. Um, I, mm-hmm. I split my time between uh, Denmark um, and in Ireland. And it all began when I had a store in a city called Odense, which is the third largest city in Denmark. That's where Hans Christian Andersen comes from. And uh, I had a store there, which I opened as a franchise, which got into trouble and was really, really struggling. uh, So much so that we were going to lose the business. And we got into a bit of a mess financially because we just were not making what we should be making in terms of turnover. And really more uh, desperation than anything else uh, and the lowest point of my life at that point because we were close to going under I decided that with six weeks stock left I would try something different um, because I felt like nothing to lose and it was a very interesting time because when you have got nothing to lose and everything to gain uh, the comfort zone goes away. You just go for it. And I went uh, from Woodense to Copenhagen, to where I am now, to talk to the, the head franchisee and said, could I do something different for the last six weeks? Uh, because I wasn't getting any more stock. That was it at the moment. And they said, well, we don't really care because we're going to get the short store back. So you just do what you want to do. And I then went back and decided to do everything different. And that all came about because... When the the message came that the business was going to be basically going to go bust or go under, um, I'll never forget that weekend. My uh, my choice was to do nothing or to do something. And staying in a friend's house right after hearing that, um, and this is a true story, he didn't have he didn't have enough bedroom space for myself and the kids kids were very small then so he said look I'll, I'll get some blow up mattresses and I'll put them on the floor and you can sleep it there 
So we slept on the floor. And I woke early that morning before everybody else. And there was a book lying on the floor that fell off the, the shelf. And this is absolutely true. It was the only English book in that bookcase. And it was called Choices. And it was lying on the floor. So it was like six o'clock in the morning. Everybody's sleeping. So I just started to flick through it. The author was a guy called Shad Helmstetter. And that book changed my life. I now have that book framed in my summer house in Denmark. And what he said was that our life is made up of the choices that we make. And if you're willing to accept that, therefore, if you make different choices, you can have different results and a different life and different outcomes. So I thought, what would happen if I chose to do everything different, chose to stop being negative because I was blaming everybody for everything and start to think about how I could really make a difference with this? And it was like a light bulb moment. It was absolutely that moment when I thought, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do everything different. And that's what we did. So I went back to my team after meeting the head franchisee and, and said, look, can we do something different here? And they thought, well, we want to save our jobs. We'll do whatever you want. And I said, right, we'll do everything different. And we're going to start focusing on the customer in a different way. And I never, ever set out to achieve a program called You're the Difference. All I wanted to do was to save the business and protect the business and the income for my family. And my kids were very small then. So I was very motivated. And then it was almost this kind of light bulb moment when I saw things in the store that had always been there, but had never realized it was, I always say when I'm doing presentations, it was like the blinkers came back and I saw everything different. And that's when I started to develop the techniques um, that I developed, which became part of You're the Difference. And immediately my turnover just kept going up. And we put on a, a massive turnover. I won shop manager of the year for Denmark. And what then happened was I was taken to the UK by the, the company that we were representing. And they had 900 stores in the UK. And they said, we're going to put you into the biggest store we have. It's never, never really succeeded, this store. It's in London. 43 staff. I had seven at that point. And they said, it's down from Selfridges. It's really busy, but it's never succeeded in terms of what it's done. If you can turn around the store doing what you're doing, then we'll put this into the business. So I moved to a little bed sit in Gloucester Road. I'll never forget. It was called a cabin. And if you imagine a cabin in a ship, that's what it was like. You open the door and you hit your bed. Basically, you got in and you went. To, you just had to go into your bed. And the yeah. television was on the ceiling. That's, a, that's, that, that's true. It's yeah. a tiny little place. But I was there just to sleep because I was working all the time. I was working any hour, all the hours I could to make this work. So I was then given this team yeah. to try and turn it around. And uh, we did. Three months it took. And they were a great team, and they they really, really um, took on board what we, we set out to do. And um, I then rolled it into the 900 stores. Most of it I, done, I did myself, traveling at night in my car to a different town with my flip board and my flip chart. Um, and then I'd get out of the car, go into the store, Hi to the team, they'd close the store, have some sandwiches, and then at night in the store, I would do the session and then I'd move to the next town, sleep. And then and I did that all the time. I did that all over the UK. Wow. And what that did was it it helped me to perfect the delivery 
of the program. Um, I love the saying, don't do it till you get it right. Keep doing it till you can't get it wrong. And I did it thousands of times. And in, in the end, it became embedded in me. So I didn't work the script because I did it so many times. I could not, not do it. It was like there. So this is what I did. Um, and uh, then I did that for a while. And then I left there and I then set up my own company. And literally, literally three weeks after that, um, we got Marks and Spencers and my life changed. And that was it. Wow. Wow. Tell me a little bit, um, Alf, because, you know, I'm, I work with, with different businesses and I work with business owners and kind of, you know, we talk a lot about the mindset piece. Obviously, you were you were doing that. You know, we talk yeah. about work-life balance. You obviously were on the road a lot. You had small kids at the time. You obviously had stuff going through your head. How yeah. did you overcome those kind of, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome, Alpha. We talk about kind of doubting yourself. Like what, what helped you build that bit of resilience? What helped you kind of, you know, keep going? Well, one of the things that's unique about this program, and I haven't found any other program in the world like this, mm-hmm. is that when I was developing it, I mm-hmm. kept this little file of facts at the back of the store and I wrote down yeah. everything that happened to me personally, emotionally, yeah. during that period of developing it. Because I became right. very, very interested in almost fanatical about self-development material. Because after finding the book and then copying what the book said to do and then finding success, I thought, well, there's still be something in this. This works. It isn't, you know, it's not a magic bullet. This actually works. There's no rocket science to it. So I then devoured any book I could, anything by Stephen Covey I could get a hold of, Tony Robbins, all the the great motivational speakers. I read Jack Canfield, um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, all, all this type. Of, I would read anything I got, and I've got a library of it in my house, which I went through. Then after a while, I discovered that a lot of it is the same. It's just been regurgitated and written in a different way. But what that did is it taught me that, and I, I didn't have a lot of education when I was I left school at 15. It taught me that in those books was, was so much knowledge and wisdom that, and it's there, that you can then use in your own life. And a lot of those tools I then used to, to help keep me focused strong, you know, focused on the goal. And I'm a big believer in, now they call it manifestation, I'm a big believer in um, verbalizing your goals in a picture form so that, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can actually then have it in your mind and work towards it. For example, when I do sessions, I always write down, or events or conferences, I always write down how they went before I do them. And I don't write it in such a way as when I do the session on Thursday, it's going to be really great and popular. I write down what happened that hasn't happened yet. I write it down in the, in the term that it's actually happened, and I read it. And what that does is it affects the subconscious. It's just the way the brain works. If you put positive stuff into the subconscious, you get positive stuff out. What happens when you say, I don't feel very, very well? 
and you say that enough to your subconscious, then you start feeling rubbish. Wow. So, so I used a lot of those ideas and I would always write down how the session went before I did it. Even if, you know, sometimes it was you know, three or four people, I would still do it. And then I would read it afterwards and it was always 95 to 100% that that I wrote down. Because I'd already, I'd already uh, preordained it. It's like the, 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 the championship uh, 100 meters runner. They see the race in their mind before they run it. So I used to see the session before I did it. And I'm a big believer in that. And I always write down what the business is going to do in terms of turnover, success, a year in advance. And I always have that written down as if it's happened. And I use that and I refer back to that. So um, constantly doing that. And, and, you know, a simple thing like writing down in a bit of paper something positive that you recognize and we all look in the mirror every morning, brush our teeth or comb our hair, shave, whatever. Looking at that every day, looking at that positive message every day is enough to set you on the right track for that day. And I just, it just became a big part of my life. And it, it's something, it's a habit now. I just do it naturally. Yeah. I love what you've said there. Um, and, and I have um, done Bob Proctor, The Science of Getting Rich. And, oh, yeah. and, and yeah, it's... Yeah. Absolutely, really, really interesting. Um, the visualization piece as well. I, I think yeah. it's it's connecting, yeah. as you said, connecting into the subconscious. I just think it's it's so so powerful. Um, and what I've actually taken a couple of notes. And I'm going to summarize at the end. Um, yeah. You said loads of great things um, on on your journey, and I think things that people can definitely and I'll have a written out as well that they can learn from you and your experience Alf because I think we're all at different stages of our journey and I think it's yeah. nice to hear how people um and, and you know it was really really powerful uh you said that you and I loved this you wrote down um when you were on that journey traveling around how you felt after yeah. each yeah. session yeah. and it's really really powerful because adult learners don't learn the same as children we learn by reflective practice so that's so so powerful that reflective practice piece that you've done at the time um because it it went off when you said that I was like okay this is really good because more more that reflecting that journaling um as you call it you know it's it's super powerful from a personal development it really really is yeah one of the things I always teach when I when I do my sessions is that I always say at the end of every day, ask yourself that simple one question. What's the one thing I could do even better tomorrow? What's the one thing I could do? Because after every event I do, I immediately go to the flip, go to the, the PowerPoint slides, and I always then tweak it based on what's just happened. So you're basing it on reality, on that feeling you had. Uh, one of the examples I give is I did a massive rollout in a hospital. There were 6,000 people in this hospital in London. I was there for about six weeks. I did sessions every day. And it was, it was, it was a session I designed for the NHS. It was the same session, but a different audience of about 50 to 80 people each morning. And I always say that by the 45th session, the last one, I nailed it. I got the last one because you never get it perfect. But yeah. by the last one, I was almost there. Because every day I could find that little thing that could improve it. And we can do that ourselves. And if you just focus on that one thing over a period of, let's say, 21 days to form a habit, if you think over three weeks, you will 
absolutely be a different place than where you were because life is full of habits and you can create that positive habit and finding that one thing to improve on can then become a habit but you can find many more so yeah yeah, I think reflecting is 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 key and that's one of the things you mentioned about keeping going I've I've got this attitude and I don't know I don't know where it came from but my my attitude is that there's not there's not such a thing as failure. Failure is only there if you give up. What failure gives you is feedback because you never normally get it right first time. Very rarely do you get it right first time. And inside failure is the seed of opportunity. It's in there. And this is why sometimes we need to almost embrace failure and think, okay, that didn't work. What can I do based on that to make it work? And if you keep looking in there, eventually you'll find it. But what happens is a lot of people give up just at that point. They're about to find the seed, you know? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, it brings me back. I read an article and um, there's a the lady that founded Spanx. She's a really cool lady. Her name is Sarah. And she she said she was on a podcast. And what really stood out to me was um, she said that when she used to come home from school every day, her dad used to sit at the dinner table and he would ask her, the, her, her and her brother and her sister the same question every evening. What have you failed at today, Sarah? What yeah. have you failed at today? And she said, having that conversation every day with my dad and he wouldn't want to know what we've done well and in school, he would ask, what did we do? What did we what do we what do we get wrong yeah and and it nearly preconditioned her she said to build that resilience when she did start up the business that she nearly and I do think a lot of that fear of failure it's a conditioned mindset a little bit that we're we are conditioned in society in 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 schooling to get it right because yeah. in schooling we're, we're brought through that conditioned where there is only the right and the wrong mark yeah. um, and and it's not normalized I think maybe as much that you know getting it wrong is just as important as getting it right and I think it's really important that you touched on that yeah absolutely, absolutely. because it uh, one way I, I look at it is that mm. when you decide to embrace, embrace or start something new, mm. you're always going to have to go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you'd have done it already. Yeah. And one of the things that I love is that, and you know, I often say this, that mm. we call it the butterfly effect. If you've never, you know, that butterfly you get in your tummy and you're about yeah. to do something new, yeah. you start your first job or you're going to yeah. do something about if you yeah. never have that, you're never doing anything new. And what happens is we become stuck. And that's why I love, I say yes to everything. Can you do six, Can you do a room with 6,000 people? Yep. I've got no idea how I'm going to do it, but I'll find out. Yeah. Can you, yeah, I'll do 10. The bigger the butterfly, the better for me. Because you've then stretched yourself to a different level. And you can never go back. That's Once you get up to that level, you can So... I think it, failure is so good because if you embrace it with that attitude, I'm going to learn something here. And if I don't get it right, I'll work at it and I'll get it right maybe the next time or the time after. You never fail unless you give up. So I think it's all part of it. Very, very rarely can you do something first time and get it right. Very, yeah. Very rarely. 
what's your what's your why um Alf like what what drives you what's your kind of what you know Simon Sinek talks about why and all of this you know what what is it that what is it that's you know that that keeps you kind of going what's your kind of why to to to, to the business to you what what, what really um, gets you excited well I can be really honest about that because it's never changed since day one yeah. because that, that's why I do it the why for me yeah is being able to give people tools that they can use in a job where they're standing on their feet most of the day dealing with strangers in a sales and service environment and having people come to you and say, thank you, that has changed my life now. I now feel comfortable and confident on a shop floor, whereas before I just got through, I just clicked down the hours till I could leave. Yeah. For me, that that reward is 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 what does it for me because I know how powerful it can be. And when you get people coming up to you, uh, somebody yesterday called me. They were at my one of my sessions eighteen years ago. Wow! Well, I'm now about to go and work for for that for that business, and they never forgot it. They they went. They're not a regional manager. They were a sales advisor, and they never forgot it because it stays inside you, because it's more than just customer service and selling. Mm. You're the difference is about you as a person. And 99% of people who, who work in, in, in retail, yeah. they don't get to experience that self-development material that changed my life. Yeah, I want to share as much as I can. And, and you never know how or why you're reaching that person. And for me, that's, what it, that's why it excites me. It's a new group, new people. I love that fact they'll come up to you and they'll, they'll be surprised and they'll look at you and they'll say, i got to tell you, it works. And I, and I say, oh, I know, but it did. It did. Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. that for me. Yeah. That maybe sounds a bit corny, but it's that that does it for me. Yeah. Not anything else. The impact. That's, that, that's never changed. That's never yeah. changed. Yeah, yeah, I heard the cork twang there now. Changed. Um, <laughs> he's getting ready. He's coming to cork, guys. The accents are starting yeah. to kick in slightly. Um, so, no, really interested. What What do you feel, I suppose, you know, a lot of things changed during COVID, Alf, and I think you're yeah. aware of this as well. And, yeah. and some people, a lot of people are saying, you know, service, like we're doing, I think service is a really great level pre-COVID. We kind of had this experiential retail you kind of, you know, shop in shops, you had nail bars in shops, like it, it took yeah. off the whole, you know, dwell time in stores and, you know, touching yeah. Yeah, yeah. And less product on the shelf and more interaction. And then COVID hit and then yeah. everyone started standing back. They, yeah. You know, I felt that, you know, when I was in retail, the, the service kind of dipped because, you yeah. know, people were were scared and worried. And now we've come out of it, but but I don't know. Have we come back from a service level? And um, I think there is. It's it's not at the same level I'm seeing, anyways. Um, with some businesses I'm working with, but like, where where have you seen that? I suppose, or what's your take on it? Well, it's it's really funny because COVID was our second busiest year ever in 23 years, and people are always amazed at that because mm-hmm. what happened is we. We didn't plan this. We were I was doing events almost every day from a film studio. People were watching it in their homes because lots of retailers wanted to keep sales teams and staff 
aware of the tools and the techniques just to keep the whole thing going and keep it alive. And one of the things that we did find was that obviously when people were wearing masks, that was a challenge. Mm. Um, a lot of customers just wanted to get in and out. But what, what we were coaching was that, that you can still greet a customer behind a mask because you can still hear, you can still hear the smile in the voice. So yeah. you can still greet a customer. You can still interact with a customer. Mm -hmm. And what I think we tried to do was get sales teams to, to, to relax and to be more confident in that environment when customers were a little bit apprehensive and to help the customers to relax, mm -hmm. get what they needed and allow them to then go if they wanted to go in and out quick rather than, than going in and not knowing where to go or what to do. So we looked at a different way of interacting during COVID. Mm -hmm. Now it hasn't come fully back again in terms of the style. You're right. And there is still a lot of work to be done around that. But it's like everything else. It just takes a little bit of time now. And we're we are finding we're going in now and we're doing a lot of re-energizing. You're the difference. So companies that we've dealt with, that we've rolled you the difference into, we're back in there again, re-energizing, refocusing, re-coaching in some places to get everything moving again in the right direction. Because, mm, you know, yeah. online is always going to be a challenge. But for me, that one-to-one -one contact you have with a person face-to-face, -face, that for me will always be the big opportunity. Oh, definitely. And I and I don't think it's lost, I think, because sometimes I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, bricks and mortar retail, it's it's gone. I, I don't think it's yeah. ever going to go. Yeah. I don't think it is. I, th I really don't ever seen it being made redundant or I think there's always that human yeah. connection needed, you know, definitely from a brand. Customers, I think they need it. customers are now, they want more, you know, yeah. and I always say to clients, you know, the customers want more from you and if they don't get it, they'll find somebody else where they can get it. So you need to, you know, up your game, make sure that you are interacting, you are discovering the needs, you are helping them who are showing them the products they need and other products that can complement it, this type of thing. So um, for me, I think there's a massive opportunity for, for yeah. to get it right. I do. The, bi the biggest challenge I used to come against, Alf, and this is just kind of, I suppose, me kind of picking your brain a little bit, um, is, you know, I've, I've gone into businesses where maybe they've been doing the same thing for maybe 20 years okay and when you go to introduce anything new yeah there is a big pushback because um well why are you know we've always done it this way and we've been trodden along and it's yeah. you know the huge change management piece in in your program definitely i think in most programs how do you get buy-in? How do you win over those people that are maybe, and this is the biggest, I think, issue when I'm speaking to HR managers or to business owners that they're trying with the team, but the team just aren't coming along. Some of them are enthusiastic. You know, they're not getting it. How do you kind of get well, that when you're on site, Alpha? That's a really good question because we are faced with challenges in, in lots, of, lots of different yeah. ways. And, and, you know, we can have some clients where, the teams will be uh, people who have been there 20, 30 years, something 40 years. Yeah. So they're very set in their ways. But I always say that you can't expect people to change unless you meet them here and here in the heart. There's two okay. places you have to meet them. Yeah. And that's why 
the, 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 the session that we deliver prior mm. to doing the coaching uh, on the shop floor. Yeah. Because that, that session is so real and it's like me holding up a mirror. They see themselves, especially when we do the spiral of positivity, when yeah. you know, they can see themselves, how they can pull themselves down that spiral. That then gets us the buy-in in terms of, okay, we're going to trust you so far now to see where that takes us because people love the session. Some people want to go through it again and again and again because they like it so much, but it's like this, you know, it opens it up for them. The key then is the coaching that we do on the shop floor. And we don't work with any clients now in retail that won't allow us to coach on the shop floor. So yeah. we coach the managers, the program, the techniques, and how to then coach their team. We don't coach the team because we have to leave. We yeah. coach the managers so they can coach their team, the techniques. You can't argue with results. And when you see immediate results from using the techniques on the shop mm -hmm. floor, you've got a choice to make. You want to get involved or you don't. Yeah. And it's, then up, it's then up to the coach and the manager on the shop floor to bring these people with us. But when you give them the techniques and you coach them mm -hmm. and they get a success from it, and that's why they say, it just worked. You say, well, yeah, it does. And all of it does. So maybe try another technique now. That gets us buy-in because you can't argue with positive results because yeah. the figures prove it. But you will have people who would rather be right than successful. You will always have people like that. And that can be a challenge. And we call those people the necks, the necks in the, in the business or in the store. Mm. What I, I'm asked all the time at conferences, how do we bring the necks? And I always say, don't fire them out of the business, fire them in. Because a lot of these people have been there a very long time. They're very powerful. And mm. they've got a lot of influence in the team. Yeah, It's sitting them down and talking to them and saying, come with me, be part of this. You're important. We need you on this, on this journey with us. And it's really about bringing them with you and then letting them see that this can work. You get resistance from some people. And then after a couple of weeks, they say, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try it. I will. Mm -hmm. And then they try one of the techniques, maybe the simple, maybe the simple one, the, the, mm -hmm. the need question. And then it works for them. And they go, wow. <laughs> and because they want to be part of it because everyone else is doing it. So, you know, we're doing it over 20, 23 years this year. We've seen most of the challenges I think we're going to see in terms of pushback, but we always get there. We just have to look at each team and each challenge differently. But, you know, you can't argue with the results. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that bringing them along as well, because they are really influential. They, very influential. They're very. very influential, I think, to the rest of the team. Very, so, very influential. I always, yeah. tell the, I always tell the story, and mm. I use it in the session. I hope you don't mind me doing it here. No, no. Um, I, I do it after the break, after the spiral, mm. and it's a true story. Yeah. Um, and it's about a sales advisor called Joyce, and... Um, in the spiral, we talk about the neg, the negative person. And yeah. this company asked me to go and have a look at the store because it wasn't performing. It, it should have been probably up in the top five, but way down. So I went along and had an observation and I thought, okay, we'll, we'll do a bit of looking at it. And then we'll do the session uh, when they close at night. And then the next day we'll do the training on the shop floor. 
And there was a lady there called Joyce, and she was the she was mm. a sales advisor, but she'd been there mm. a very long time. And uh, she knows I, I say this story. So Joyce was walking around on the shop floor, mm. never smiling, never saying anything, never really talking to customers. Just she did talk to some of the team members, who then immediately walked away through the back, almost in tears. And I thought, what an effect this woman has. Anyway, so we did the session. And everybody went home. The next morning, I come in. It's a true story. And I'm through the back, getting ready to go out. And the door bursts open. And in comes one of the, the team and says, have you seen Joyce? And I went, so I, I came out. And here's Joyce. I said, what's happened to you? She said, what a sale I just had. I said, what's going on? She says, what a morning I'm having. I said, Joyce, what's going on? And she says, well, last night, after the session, I went home. He was sitting on the sofa her husband, and she said to him, listen to me, you nag. You're not taking me down the spiral anymore. Of course, her husband, he's thinking, what's going on with you? She said, now these are her words, I used to come home from work. Yeah. And he'd always be negative about his job because he didn't like it. Then he'd be negative about my job. And she said, her words, I would come into the store in the morning with my bag of grenades and I'd walk up to conversations and I'd go, that'll never work, boom. That's a waste of time. Boom. Leaving everyone to pick up the shrapnel. She said, today, I'm not going to do that. Today, I've decided to have a good day and I've had a great morning. Now, I remember Joyce for two reasons. One is, she said, I didn't realize that this was going to be my choice. And secondly, what happened to that store? Because it then flew. Because you can have a very positive manager. But all you need are one or two negs going around, pulling everybody down. That can wreck everything. And that, for me, was a really great lesson, that you have to look at those people. You have to bring them with you. And that was a really good example of somebody who just needed the tools yeah. to see, I can do something different here, but that, that's, that, that's what happened. It's true. Yeah, that self-awareness, it's really, really powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah. Um, I love that story because I I've I've managed loads of different stories um through the years and yeah it can it can be a challenge but I think what you said which which is really really good is that it it is an awareness thing and I think you know we're at a time now where we can't you know years ago you would be like it was a very it was you know when I look at retail when I initially went in back in two thousand and seven Alf the leadership style was really different. Do you know what I mean? You were you were told not to bring your, you know, leave your emotions at the door, put on yeah. your, you know, very different to what it is now, whereas now yeah. Yeah. very different, Alf, very more expressive, I think. People do come to work and they're in it for more than they're at home most of the time, I think. And, and having that, I suppose, that freedom and that, comfortable environment where they can can I ask you a question this is going to be a little bit controversial have you ever gone in to coach a team and the manager has been the neg and have you ever pulled them aside and had a really honest conversation with them oh yeah lots of times have you okay okay and the owner and and, and the owner of the business of the store oh yeah Yeah. oh no that happens a lot um, we've worked for some companies where we've actually moved the manager out. Okay. We have moved the manager out because that was just, that was actually hampering the store's performance. And then we got a manager in there that was willing to get on the shop floor because there's no customers in the back office. Yeah. The 
was yeah. willing to get into the, in, you know, on the shop floor. Because what I always talk about to managers is how do you teach somebody to swim? Imagine you haven't learned to swim. And I say to you, here's a swimming pool. It's 10 foot deep. Get in, do this with your hands, flick your feet. By the way, you've never swam before. I'll be back in 10 minutes. If I come back in 10 minutes, where are you now? Yeah, I'm drowning, yeah. How do you yeah. teach somebody to swim? You get in the pool. And it's yeah. the same with retail. You get on the shop floor. And that's why we've our coaches today are working in the UK and in Ireland on shop floors with managers and their team, coaching them and how to do that because that's the only way you can embed it. If you take a group of people to a room and give them a great morning and a great lunch and you do, that's a really great session and they all go back in the store, it won't work. It won't, no. They've all had a great morning, but nothing will change. Change requires that type of coaching where you pull them along, you you take them with you Mm -hmm. on that journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and you, you, you know immediately you're going into store and we know within five minutes because... I actually don't need to see the manager. I just need to see the team. And that'll tell me all about the manager. Because yeah. if a team is on the shop floor and they're interacting with the customer, they're positive, they're happy, and it's a good buzz in there, there's a great manager in that store. If it's the opposite, then we need to look at the manager. Because yeah. the manager is the key. The team will always follow the manager's lead. That's why we work with the managers and the regional managers. And... Um, yeah. yeah, we have had to take people aside and we have, you know, conversations. But this is the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned this. I was talking at a conference recently about this because when we take a manager where there is a challenge and we'll sit them down and we'll say, okay, we need to take, peel back the, you know, the, uh, I call it peel back the orange, the mm-hmm. skin and find out what's really going on. And we dig and we dig and we dig. We find what I call the wound and you get stories like the manager will say, five years ago, I didn't get Saturday off. What? Yeah. And, and that, that wound is carried with them for the next five years. And they're, you know, and they're really harming themselves. You know, they're pointing the finger, but there's all these fingers going back at themselves. They are really harming themselves. So we need to flush that out, deal with that, and then say, right, can we now move on? And sometimes they'll go, yeah, I got it off the chest. I feel better now. Right, come on, let's go. But we needed to kind of lance that boil as it was. We needed to get it out. And that, that's happened many, many times. And it can be something like that, you know, even more than five years ago. Yeah, yeah. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah, it's really, no, and it, you've made a really valid point because I think we, we all come with a different perception and what might be seem really minuscule and small to me or you can seem quite big in someone else's eyes because they've lived a different life. So exactly. like, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's given them that open space to say it. And I do think a lot of those kind of conversations, I think um, Alf should be very much front and center of anyone leading people a Absolutely. lot more that they're having those conversations a lot with the team because that's when things fester and that's when there is problems because people aren't voicing issues. We do a lot of work uh, with Harry Corey. Um, Harry Corey has been one of my best clients for many, many years. All Harry Corey stores in the UK and and in Ireland. And in the back of that store, there is a big spiral on a chart 
and people are able to put themselves, they've got little name tags on the spiral where they are that day. So they're able to kind of show their emotions. Someone, you know, someone puts themselves down at the bottom and you can say, Mary, come on, let's talk about this. Let's get you up there. So you're allowed to do that because you just think about this. You're on a shop floor, on your feet, sometimes seven, eight hours. Yeah. Dealing with strangers, that's yeah. cust- customers. We don't know a lot of the customers. And mm-hmm. if you're going in with that, that is definitely going to affect your day. So that's why we have those spirals in there so that people can say, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of show where I am. And I've often gone in and gone, Mary, come on. And just by doing that, moving it up, you go, yeah, okay, okay. Sometimes it maybe is to take them and have a coffee and just like, okay, let's talk about this. But it's getting everybody at the right level because it's a stone cold fact that teams are at the top of the spiral, better place to work, more positive, customers notice it, sales are better. And as I always say, take work and sleep. In many retail environments, there ain't a lot left. So it's good to come to a positive place of work. Definitely. And I love that we talked earlier about visual and I think yeah. that visual thing that you have with your spiral, and I know the spiral, I, I think it's fantastic. And it's a great conversation piece. You're nearly yeah. using the spiral as a prop to yes. instigate the conversation, which I think is super, super brilliant yeah. for people, especially some people that aren't maybe comfortable having those conversations. Yeah. Some leaders aren't. It's a nice way of putting it and, and putting yeah. where they are that day. I think it's really important. We've come to the end. Um, I'm going to recap and, and bear with me because I took a couple of notes while Alf was talking um, and I'm going to share a couple of his golden nuggets with you. Um, he touched at the beginning around a book that um, fell off the shelf. Can you can you tell us what that book is, Alf? The book is called Choices. Yeah. Uh, by uh, an author called Shad Helmstetter. You can get them, I think, on Amazon. They're sort of print now, but you can get old copies my, my, you can definitely get old copies, yeah. or choices. And if you Google him, there's also some uh, video of him on YouTube talking about his work. Um, I, I read that book so many times, it's, it's almost in bits. That's why I have it behind glass now, because it would fall apart. But that book means so much to me, because it changed my life. Amazing. And one, one of the things I think I, I, I wrote this down, actually, our life is made up by the choices we make. And I wrote that down in brackets and I have a little circle wrote down here. And I think if there's one thing that anyone can really, some, I think it was a really powerful thing. Our life is made up by the choices we make. So yeah. make choices that are going to make the life that you want happen. Um, and I think that was really, really powerful. Um I think that um, your whole thing of reflective practice when you started, you are the difference. Writing down, journaling, how you're feeling, what what learnings came up when you are delivering things. Um, the visualization technique, I think that was really powerful. And um, if you are going to an event, if you are to deliver a training, if you're doing something new for the first time, um, visualize it, write down oh my God, uh, everyone in the room came up and they complimented this part. They said it was really going to really impact their life. Write down, connect emotion and feeling um, for what that's going to look like after you do it. Um, And again, use that kind of tapping into that subconscious mind piece, which I thought was brilliant. End every day. What's the one thing I can do even better tomorrow? So brilliant. Just that one thing. Yeah, just that one thing. 
it doesn't have to be five million to do lists. What's that one thing I'm going to do even better tomorrow? So the one thing I would say is if you make a to do list, which I I do every day, I do a new one every day. Yeah. Don't look at the number one and say, I think I'll do number four. Don't move on to two till you do one. Yeah. That can can stay up there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Do that. What I do is I go through my one every night. It's a habit now. I've got my file of facts in front of me there. And I just write it out on a fresh sheet of paper. And then I start fresh the next morning. And it's so great to be able at the end of the day, look at it and say, okay, I did them all apart from two. They're going to be my number one and two tomorrow. But always do one. Don't put number one there and think I'll do six because that's easy. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. And focus. I think the one thing that we all, uh, and it's quite hard in a world of, of phones, um, but having and I think that's that that exercise of of blocking it off and doing the one thing it's it's really getting that laser focus which I think is super important not only productivity but to help your unbusy the mind a little bit as well which I think is brilliant and yeah. um, loads of great things you touched on love that you sure shared your story um and described because there's loads of great techniques there that you've actually discussed um Alf really really great techniques and um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing um all of your experience and um yeah it's been amazing speaking to you loved every minute of it and um yeah i'll be speaking to you soon again definitely thank you so much for your time thanks very much really appreciate it thank you thanks so much